I'm going to speak on the new and better covenant this morning. And um, for those of you who were here last week, and I hope you were all here last week, wasn't that a great message of Pete's that he brought? Um, I loved what he said. He spoke on the communion, and I loved what he said about how the Lord's Supper is an expression of fellowship, a celebration of being at one with the Godhead and with each other, a glorious declaration of restoration to wholeness. It was so good, so profound. And, you know, Pete also spoke about how communion is a covenant meal that celebrates the new covenant that was established at the cross between God the Father and Jesus. And I really, um, when Pete was preaching last week, I really felt like um, I wanted to preach um, a message on the covenant and just really build on what Pete was talking about. And so today we're going to talk about the new covenant, about what Hebrews calls the better covenant. Because I believe that our, our lack of understanding of the fullness of the covenant is really hindering the church. Uh, Danny Silk, one of, um, one of the pastors, or was one of the pastors from Bethel Reading, says that most people, including Christians, thinks, think God wants us to line up, stay in line, and be good. You know, we've embraced the idea that he's patient, but he's still on the verge of anger. And for most people, God is a a scary character, unpredictable and strict. You know, we sing about how good God is, and we'd say that he's good. But most Christians still have this thing at the back of their mind that if we don't follow the rules, if we don't live right, then God will punish us. Um, the, the reason that disaster happens is because of people's lifestyle choices, because of sin in their life, and that when disaster happens, that God is punishing us somehow. And what we've done is we've created a lifestyle um, that's based on more, based more on old covenant principles than on the new covenant that's been established. And we've completely missed what this new covenant looks like. So it's really time that we get our understanding sorted out and to have an understanding of what that new covenant looks like. Where we actually live out of the truth that God is good, that God is love, not just give lip service to it, not just sing about it, but actually live out of that truth. Because only then will we be in a position to fully bring heaven to earth. Um, So throughout history, as Pete said last week, it's been God's desire to walk in a covenant relationship. And that desire on his part for covenant relationship reveals his desire for family, for a family that reflects his glory, that reflects him. And I really believe that our modern um, understanding of the meaning of the word covenant hinders our understanding of the covenant relationship because we see covenants as rule-based agreements. But in establishing covenant, God is all about establishing relationship. It's not about a list of rules. And by living in confusion of our understanding of biblical covenants, we end up, um, it's resulted in bondage for the church. In the words of Stan Newton, When we think parts of the Old Covenant remain intact, it holds back the church. We must embrace the power of the Spirit 
so we can walk a new covenant life. We must allow the Spirit to show us the greater reality of covenant. And um, hopefully we're going to be able to do that today. Because my heart um, for the church is that we'd learn to walk in the fullness of everything that's ours. And to do that, we need to understand what the new covenant is and what it's not. Um, so let's take a look at this new and better covenant was, that was established as at the cross because that's the covenant we now get to live in. And this new covenant is what the culture of heaven looks like. It's the new covenant that was prophesied about by Jeremiah. And if you've got your Bibles, you might like to turn, or your phones, um, you might like to turn to Jeremiah 31 from verse 31. You have permission to go on your Bible app, not to go on Facebook. <laughs> it's like we all pretend to be very spiritual looking up our Bibles, but <laughs> no. Here we go. This is what Jeremiah 31, 31 from verse 31 says. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So God's telling us here that the new covenant does not look like the old. It will not be like the covenant I made with my ancestors, with the ancestors when I took them by hand and led them out of Egypt, God is saying through Jeremiah. In other words, it won't look like the old covenant. If you turn to Hebrews 8, now you'll see where the, this prophecy of Jeremiah's is quoted. And the author goes so far as to say that the Mosaic covenant what we know as the Old Covenant, has been made obsolete. You can see it there, Hebrews 8.13. That's a key verse for us to get hold of. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. On the cross, a brand new covenant was cut and established. The scripture tells us that this covenant was necessary because the people broke the old one. They broke the old covenant. And Hebrews 8, 7 there tells us that if nothing had been wrong with the first one, there would have been no need of another, but that was not the case. And this new covenant is not a law-based covenant. It's something entirely different. It rests on better promises. Verse 6 of Hebrews 8. It can't be compared to the old because it does what the old could never do. It provides redemption for mankind through inner transformation. In this new covenant, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He doesn't just come on us for a particular purpose like he did in the old covenant. 
In this new covenant, it's about a relationship with Papa God, where we can snuggle, where we can share our inmost thoughts, our hopes, our dreams, our disappointments, where we know him um, experientially, not just intellectually, and where all of us can know him from the least to the greatest. It's one where he will forgive our sins and will remember our sins no more. It's truly a better covenant. You know, I've talked about this before um, last year, but in this new covenant there is no wrath because wrath, the wrath of God is connected to the law and the law, the Bible tells us, has now been made redundant. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit again today because it's so easy for us to default to seeing God as a punishing God when things start going wrong in life. But the wrath of God is only connected to the law. That's a new thought for many of us, but Romans 4.15 is really clear about that. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. You know, um, before, the, before the old covenant comes, there was no wrath of God either. Do you know that? You know, the old covenant, it was established at Passover and then expanded on, Mount, on at Mount Sinai with Moses and the Israelites where the law was given. But before this, before the Israelites came out of Egypt, there was no law. That's two-thirds of the Old Testament, 3,000 years of history where there was no law. Two-thirds of the Old Testament, there was no law. And only 1,300 years or a third of the Old Testament where the Mosaic or Old Covenant was in effect. That was a total revelation for me when I realized that. You know, you take Abraham, um, Isaac, Jacob. These guys didn't live under the law. And we're told in Scripture that the law was only a temporary thing, that it was never the heart of God for his people. Galatians 3.9 tells us that the law was only added because of transgression. And interestingly, what we have now is what was originally offered to the Israelites by God. You know, if you look at Exodus 19, um, just before we see the giving of the Ten Commandments, God offers to make the Israelites a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Do you realize the significance of that? You know, he tells them if they, keep his, if they kept his covenant, they would be his treasured possession. God wanted all along a kingdom of priests who would have direct access to him and a people who would represent him to this world. Does it sound familiar? It should do because it's what we have in the new covenant. It's an incredible offer, but the Israelites at the time rejected that. And they told Moses to go and meet with God on their behalf instead and get some rules which they would obey. You know, you can see that in in Deuteronomy 5 where it gives us some additional background scenes information. In Deuteronomy 5, um, verse 27, it says, Go near, this is the Israelites speaking to Moses, Go near and hear all that the Lord our God says. Then speak to us all that the Lord our God speaks to you, and we will hear, and we will do it. You know, what we have there is the Israelites are sacrificing relationship for rules. 
Go and find out what God says, come back and tell us, and then we will do it. You know, that's tragic. They had no idea who the God of their fathers was. You know, somewhere along the way, there'd been a shift in their minds and a shift in their hearts. And rather than having the mindset of royalty to be a kingdom of priests, they were afraid and they reduced the relationship that was offered to obeying rules, the Ten Commandments and the um, 600 plus other rules that they had to obey. And um, equally tragic is that so much of the church is reducing the relationship offered by God to rules as well. You know, as I said before, the, um, the law was never God's heart for his people. I'm not against the Ten Commandments, but we need to realize that they are part of an inferior covenant. And the new covenant is so much more. You know, before the law was given, before the old covenant came in effect, that 3,000 years of history, God dealt with people in a completely different way. And if you, um, you can compare how God dealt with the Israelites in numbers before the law to how he dealt with them in the book of Exodus um, after the law, after Exodus um, 19.20. He dealt with them completely differently before the law came into effect. And it's a fascinating study. I'm not going to look at it here, but you can you can do the study for yourself, or you can look up what um, Jonathan Walton um, he does some stuff around that as well. But now that we're in a new covenant, he deals with us in a completely different way. Why? Because the law has been made obsolete. The new covenant is nothing like the old. The old had a purpose in its time, and that purpose was to point us to Jesus. But now we get to live and partake in the new covenant that was established on the cross between God the Father and God the Son. You know, the promises, the types, the shadows, the symbolism, everything found in the old covenant, um, actually everything found in the Old Testament, has their end in this new covenant. The new covenant stands alone. It's superior, not only in its establishment through Christ's work on the cross, but in what it provides for us, for the people of God. Hebrews 8, 6 tells us, But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. And we'll take a look at some of those better promises. You know, in this new covenant, we now have confidence to enter into the very presence of God. If you remember the um, tabernacle of Moses and later the temple during the time of the old covenant, there was a room called the Holy of Holies, wasn't there? Or the most holy place. And it was God's special dwelling place in the midst of his people. Who could enter the Holy of Holies? Yeah, just the high priest. Only the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies. And then only how many times a year? Once a year on the Day of Atonement. And only after he had done some meticulous preparations. He had to wash himself. He had to put on special clothing. 
He had to bring burning incense to let the smoke cover his eyes from a direct view of God. He had to bring blood in with him to make atonement for sins. So basically what you had in that old covenant is the the presence of God remained shielded from man. It remained hidden behind a thick curtain during the history of Israel. You know, but Jesus' death changed all that. You know, when he died, what happened when he died? The curtain was ripped, yeah. The curtain in Jerusalem's temple was torn in half from the top to the bottom. And it was, you know, as the veil was torn, the most holy place was exposed. And God's presence, it was saying that God's presence is now accessible to all. God's presence is now accessible to all. You know the sad thing? You know what happened a little bit later? They sewed the curtain back up again and then carried on as if nothing had happened. You know, we're not followers of an old way. We have a new and living way. It's not even a renewal of the old way. It's important that we understand that the Ten Commandments were not God's final and perfect establishment. Sorry, the Ten Commandments were not God's final perfect establishment of God's moral standard for all ages. It was only a shadow of what God brought about through Jesus, and it was never God's heart. God's heart was that the Israelites would be a kingdom of priests and kings, what we now have in the new covenant. You know, through the cross and the resurrection, all of us now have access to all the blessings of the kingdom. The old covenant, it was based on a strict adherence to the law. You know, the Ten Commandments and all those other laws, those 600 laws, all of them had to be obeyed for the people to receive God's blessing. And if you disobeyed them, then it resulted in the wrath of God because of the type, because of the type of covenant that the people had chosen. Because of what they'd chosen, because of the type of covenant they'd chosen, it meant if they disobeyed those laws, they brought upon themselves the wrath of God. But the law was only for a season. So if the law is not God's moral standard for all ages, what is? Quite simply, it's the law of love. John 13 says, A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the law of love. You know, under the new covenant, we have no official um, list of laws except for to love as Christ loved us. In the old covenant, the command was to love your neighbours as yourself. Leviticus 19.18 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbour as yourself. That's an Old Testament command. And Jesus himself refers to the Old Covenant in this command when he's asked what were the greatest commandments. 
So when Jesus says in Matthew, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these commandments. When he says that, he's summarizing the old covenant in two commandments. He's summarizing the old covenant in two commandments. It's not a new covenant commandment. But in John 13, he gives a new command, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. That's what's required of us in the new covenant. In this covenant, on this side of the cross, we're to learn to walk by the Spirit and not by rules. It's about relationship. The covenant we live in with God has changed. A new covenant was established at the cross, and we live in this new and better covenant, and everything is different. It's time to stop living in the old covenant. In this new covenant, every member of Christ's body is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We take that for granted. We've forgotten what it's like to, to not live, to, to live with a spirit not in us. We've forgotten or not realized how different it was in the Old Testament. You know, when the Holy Spirit just came on people for a certain time, but he didn't dwell within the people as he does with us now. And we need to learn to walk in the Spirit, where we live mindful of not grieving Him, where we leave the old nature behind, where love is the guiding force that determines our behaviour. The old covenant was a ministry of death, but the new produces life. 2 Corinthians 3.6 says, He has made us competent ministers. Sorry, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, not of the law, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. It's only by being filled and led by the Holy Spirit can we live as new creations. So in this new covenant, we are priests and kings. We've been given power and authority over the enemy. And the reality is, is that most of our struggles come because we, um, because of our lack of knowledge of the covenants that we're living in. You know, basically, there's no comparison to what we have now to what once was. That's what Hebrews tells us. And it's time, it's time the church came out of the shadows. The new covenant gives life and life abundantly. The new covenant is superior, it's glorious, and it is good news. In this new covenant, God has done it all. He did it all on the cross. And the good news for us is that this covenant made between God and Jesus cannot diminish. It can never go away. It can never be improved upon, and it can never be replaced. Jesus established a new covenant at the cross once and for all, for all time. 
You know, on the cross, on the cross, God was cutting covenant in the body of his son. This new covenant brings us an inheritance in Christ. It's higher and superior to the old. The old had its purpose. But this is the new covenant is higher and superior to the old, not only in its, in its establishment through Jesus' work on the cross, but in what it provides for us. You know, the truth of the matter and the good news is that the glory of the new covenant is greater than that of the old covenant, than what the old covenant ever was. Jesus, when he came, he came to unveil the Father to those who would believe. The old covenant, it, um, it veiled God's love. It veiled the Father. It veiled the Father's heart. Because it put, pe- put people in a position where um, when they disobeyed the law, the wrath of God had to come. The old covenant veiled people's minds from seeing Jesus as their Messiah. But in contrast to the old covenant which hid God's love, the new covenant reveals God's love. The new covenant reveals God's love fully. God's love is fully on display in the new covenant On the cross, the Father was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. The Mosaic Covenant, though, has been made obsolete because it was never God's heart. The Old Covenant produced a temple of stone, a physical building. But the New Covenant, do you know what the New Covenant has produced? It's produced a temple of living stones. 1 Peter 2.5, we are living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice. The new covenant has produced a temple of living stones. The new covenant operates by grace and forgiveness. The law put a demand on us to be righteous, on people to be righteous, but the new covenant provides, oh, there we go, provides grace and righteousness as free gifts. They're freely given. You know, God's not overlooking or disobeying the law when he create, because he created a new law that allowed for forgiveness. God created a new law that allowed for forgiveness. And Hebrews, Hebrews is a great book, eh, when you read through it about all this. Hebrews 7.12 says, For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. And that happened at the cross. The new covenant is one of forgiveness that operates by faith, and the only law in the new covenant is the one of love. You know, in this new covenant in Luke uh, 15.31, we're told that everything the Father has is ours. Everything the Father has is yours. We gloss over that, but do you realize everything the Father has is yours this morning? 
We don't need to beg the Father for anything. It's received by faith. Um, As the Father told his elder son, my son, the Father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Everything he has this morning is yours. God lives inside the covenant that he establishes and he will be faithful to it. And that's what he's saying this morning. Everything I have is yours and he will be faithful to that. You know, God doesn't change, but as we move through time, the covenant between God and man did change. The new covenant that we live in is between um, the Father and the Son, and we are invited, each one of us is invited to be partakers of that covenant. The new covenant began at the cross. The Old Testament prophets, they spoke about it, but it was only a dream until Jesus hung on the cross. You know, my guess is that these Old Testament prophets, they would have given anything to have what we have now. Do you realize that? Think about it. We get so glib. I feel so so bad sometimes because I, I think, I just gloss over it. I don't really appreciate the depth of what it is that we have now. The cross is central to the new covenant. Jesus himself declared on the cross that the establishment of the new covenant was now what? Complete. It was complete. We're not waiting for anything more to happen. We don't even have to wait for Jesus to return again, though he will. But we do not have to wait for him to come again for his kingdom to be established. We don't have to wait for him to come again for his kingdom to be established. His kingdom is here now. He has completed everything necessary. You know, we now have the substance of which the shadow, the old covenant, was a precursor. The old, shadow, old, old covenant was a precursor to what we have now, but we now have the substance. And it's time to allow the Spirit to show us the greater reality of the new. Paul tells us to walk in the Spirit. By that he means to walk, to live in the blessings of the new covenant. Live in the blessings of the new covenant. The new covenant operates by new laws. God didn't change, but the covenant did. It's important we get this, that a different covenant has a different law and a different priesthood. And even the prophets have a different message. You know, the prophets of the old covenant, they were sent to declare judgment based on the Israelites' violation of their covenant with God. Let me say that again. The prophets of the old covenant were sent to declare judgment based on the Israelites' violation of their covenant with God. Whereas under the new covenant where we now live, prophets are God's declarers of his love and forgiveness. It's the good news of the kingdom. Um, Before we finish today, one more thing I want to quickly touch on. Um, And remember I said at the beginning, we tend to live out of this mixture of the old and the new covenants. And I think this is one area that we tend to live out of the old, where we still think that the rules of the old covenant apply to us. 
Um, Galatians 3.13 tells us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So in the Old Testament, curses were in response to the people's disobedience to the covenant. It was part of the covenantal agreement that they had essentially asked for. But in the new covenant, we are free from these types of curses. Romans 7, 6 says, But now we have been released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code. So this new covenant operates entirely differently, even when we blow it and when we sin. Now, um, in those scriptures in Jeremiah that we were looking at before, where we see the new covenant prophesied, in verse 29 of Jeremiah 31, it refers to an old Hebrew proverb. This is the old Hebrew proverb. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. This proverb means that the sins of the father will be passed to the children. But Jeremiah, in talking of the new covenant, says, In those days, in the days of the new covenant, they shall no longer say, The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Jeremiah goes on in the next verse to say something will change. Verse 30. But everyone in the new covenant Everyone will die for their own sin. Each man who eats sour grapes, their own teeth will be set on edge. So everyone will die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge, not his children's teeth. Um, Ezekiel is also really clear about this. Um, you can look, uh, write it down if you want and look up the scripture later. Ezekiel 18, 1 to 4 and verses 18 to 20. Now, um, Ezekiel was written some 850 years after the book of Exodus. Um, we were told that God is a jealous God. This is what it says in Exodus. God is a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins in the, of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Most of us have probably heard of that. Most of us tend to live by that and think it applies. But this is what it says in Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. So he's saying, why are, you, why are you quoting that proverb? As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. In this new covenant, things are different. If Jesus doesn't condemn us for our own sins, and he doesn't, would he hold us responsible for those committed by others, by our parents and grandparents? No. If he doesn't condemn us for our own sins, and he doesn't, would he hold us responsible for those committed by others? No. Through Jesus, we have been set free from the law of sin and death. It's important that we get this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
We've been freed from the bondage of the generational curse. We've been freed from the bondage of the generational curse. Now, it's not that problems are not seen in family lines. Many of us share the same weaknesses as our parents or our grandparents. Yes, healing is needed and restoration is needed for for many issues that we face, but this is not the same as the generational curse Curses which have already been broke, which have already been broken by Jesus on the cross. The generational curses have already been broken by Jesus on the cross. Generational curses are not part of the new covenant. The rules of the old covenant no longer apply. Apply. All the six hundred and thirteen laws of Moses have served their purpose. They are part of history, and the cross of Jesus made sure of that. It's time we began to see it clearly. It's not about obeying a list of rules. Actually, Adrian, can I, where are you? Can you want to pop on up? Yeah, it's not about obeying a list of rules. It's about our relationship, a relationship with our Heavenly Father, and learning to reflect his reign on earth. It's about understanding that we now live as part of a better covenant, which rests on better promises, and where we get to rule and reign with him in life. And that means ruling and reigning in life, not after we die, not after we get to heaven, but where we get to rule and reign in life, where we get to reign over our circumstances, where we get to reign over over sickness, over all sorts of things. As part of the new covenant, that's the place. We've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And we get to rule and to reign in life. It's just about learning to do that, which can be hard. I know that. <laughs> you know, God has given us a job to do, to reflect his image, to be a kingdom of priests. It's time we started understanding this because all creation... Romans tells us all creation is waiting for us to understand who we are and what we've been called to do. All of creation is waiting for us to understand that. All of creation. Why don't you just stand? You know, this is good news today, people. It's good news. A new covenant of forgiveness, a new covenant of joy and hope, a new covenant of love. Who's glad for that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, why don't you just close your eyes and focus for a minute on the good news of the new covenant. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, I invite you afresh this morning. I thank you for the, for the new covenant of life and freedom that we live under. 
Father, the joy of being able to come into your presence unhindered, accepted as sons and daughters, able to snuggle, able to tell you um, even the things that disappoint us, the things that worry us, we get to talk to you about those things. We get to come unhindered into your presence. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Holy Spirit, would you release more of your presence? More of your presence. More of your presence. Would you reaffirm this morning in each of our hearts the freedom that we live under? Reaffirm in our hearts the freedom that we live under. Mm. The goodness, the goodness of our Father. Mm. And Father, I just break off any bondage of law that has been spoken into anyone's heart here this morning. I break off any bondage of law The spirit of religion, I break its power now in the name of Jesus. Would you give us a fresh revelation of the freedom of the new covenant that we are all members of in Jesus? Would you set us free to be everything that you've called us to be? Free to reign in life that we would know where we are positioned, that we would know who our God is, that we would know who we are in you. Let us go from here today freer than when we came in. And may we be a people who walk in love and that love would be a hallmark of everything we do. Amen. Amen.